Jesus, it's good to rest in you. And that may be the only 30 seconds of silence we have this week with all the things that are going on in our lives. And so I pray, God, that we would rest in you, that we would fall after you, that we would run after you. So many distractions in our world, so many things telling us not to worship you, so many things telling us to do it our own way. But Lord, I pray that you would get the glory. I pray as we open your very word, I pray that you would teach us, that you would inspire us, that we would fall after what you say, that we would take it seriously, Lord, that we'd be inspired by it, that we'd find joy in following you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right in here. This is Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look up on the screen. If you need a Bible right outside the door, we'd love to give you a Bible right at our um, information station. You can grab a Bible there. But let me Read what God's word says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat. With their, fa- with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This morning, the point is that a disciple loves the lost, and the action step is that we're going to team up for the gospel. We've been talking about this year being on the disciple-making adventure, and we've described what a disciple is, because that word sometimes is a little intimidating, the word disciple, so we want to define what it means for us as a church. We believe that a disciple is a follower of Jesus, who loves Jesus, who loves one another, and loves the lost. Now, those things sound pretty simple when you start talking about them, but to actually put them in action is a little bit more complicated, right? Let me take love Jesus. Sounds like we should be able to do that pretty easily. But is there anything in our world that tells us to love Jesus? I mean, how many of you are going to your workplaces and your coworkers or your boss are saying, love Jesus more? It's not really happening, right? How many of you are going to school and your teachers and your administrators are telling you to love Jesus more? How many of you are going in your neighborhoods and there's love Jesus parties just popping up? No. It's not a whole lot of that in in our world. We turn on TV. There's not a lot of things on TV telling us to follow Jesus. It's, It's hard to love Jesus. It's hard to do that. And that's why we gather together to encourage one another to do that. All right, how about loving one another? When I'm talking about one another, I'm talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, sometimes we're easy to love, but sometimes we're not so easy to love, are we? I mean, I know I can be super annoying. I know I can be difficult to love sometimes. I know I disappoint people all the time. And so sometimes it's, it's difficult to, to love each other. And then loving the lost. There's over 200,000 people in St. John's County that don't have church homes. And the majority of them don't really know who Jesus is. Maybe they've heard of him, but they don't really know him in a personal way. And most believers, most people I know, want to see people come to faith in Christ. But the truth is is that 90% of Christians will never share their faith, ever, not not once. 
90% will never share their faith. I think part of the reason why that is is because as a church sometimes we just tell you evangelism is what you're supposed to do and it's just easy. And so I want to illustrate that this morning if uh, T.C. Uh, Davis could come on up here. T.C. is going to help me out with this just to illustrate what we do as a church and what it's really like sometimes to love the law. So you guys give it up for T.C.? All right, TC, got a, got a football for you. That was a horrible pass, but there you go, you nice catch. All right, so what I want you to do is just come on over here. You can come, clo- you can come closer. All right, I just want you to throw that football right in there. Right there. There you go, man. That's it. Way to go. Give it up. No one's impressed by that, or maybe a little bit. That's what we do as a church sometimes with evangelism. We're just like, just, just do it. I mean, it's easy, right? I mean, just toss it in there. Just share your faith. But in reality, it's a little bit more like this. Actually, I'll hold on to this for a second. And what I want you to do now is you're going to run a little obstacle course, TC. Let's set this up for you. What I want you to do is I want you to do a weave around the cones. Then I want you to do five push-ups. And then hop on one leg five times. Then I'll toss the ball to you and throw it in, okay? Ready, set, go. Y'all cheer on TC. Go, TC. There we go. There we go. Five push-ups. Five push-ups. Let's go. Let's go. There we go. Good form. There we go. There we go. Nice job. All right, hop on one leg now five times. There you go. Take the ball and toss it in there. Yeah! Way to go, man. Way to go. Way to go. See, that's, (laughs) it's tiring, right? That's a little bit more what sharing our faith is like, is that we come across all these different obstacles and objections, and it's scary And so we have to kind of run through those obstacles, work through them, but we can still get the ball in the goal. We can still accomplish what God has called us to do, but it's just a little bit more difficult than sometimes uh, we share that it is. And we see from this scripture here this morning, and you'll see from some of the background of it, that sometimes loving the lost is not the easiest thing to do. God has entrusted the task of world evangelization to his church. He's entrusted the task of sharing the gospel with people that need it to us. I always think, man, God could just do a better job on his own. He he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us using the giftedness that he's given us for his glory so that we can take on that challenge. And I want to encourage you this morning to take on that challenge of loving the lost, loving the people in your life that are far away from God. But it is going to be a challenge. I don't want to sell that short. There are going to be hiccups along the way. There are going to be things that you have to work through. There are going to be spiritual push-ups that you have to do. It's not always easy. We're starting a brand new series today called the Fishing Trip Series. And what we're doing is we're looking at all the different ways that Jesus took fishing trips with his disciples. He was fishing for men. He was helping them come closer to Jesus. He was telling them about the gospel. And we're going to look at these different trips uh, that they took. So we have a few goals for this series. One, we want to let Jesus equip you for fishing for men. It's interesting, when you go fishing, what do you do? You typically cast out, you cast fish, and then you kill the fish and eat the fish. That's typically what you do. When you fish for men, you're not doing that, okay? I want to make that clear. When you fish for men, you're not uh, having them face death. You're giving them life in Christ. So it's a little bit different, and Jesus is going to equip us to do that. 
Then, to learn a simple gospel outline that you can share with people. The bad news, the good news, and that we must receive him. That if 90% of Christians aren't ever going to share their faith, well, part of it is that they're not equipped. So we want to equip you through this series to be able to uh, share the words that you need to. And then finally, the last goal of the series as we go through each message is that you would team up to go on fishing trips together. And that's why we talk about the, the importance of small groups. We talk about the importance of community. When we do it together, it's so much easier. It's good to have purpose. It's good to have vision. It's good to have a place that God has put us. In the, the Brothers Karmazov uh, uh, book, uh, there is a quote in there that says this. The secret of man's being is not only to live, but to have something to live for. Without a stable conception of the, uh, of the object of life, man would not consent to go on living and would rather destroy himself than remain on earth, though, he has, though he's had bread in abundance. I think that really defines kind of the struggle of our age. I see more and more people really struggling with all kinds of things because they don't really feel like they have a purpose in life. They're going through the motions, they're in the rat race, they're making money to pay the bills, but they don't feel like they have a real purpose. And I think in our generation, it seems like, it seems like this is a new thing, but really it's been going on for centuries and centuries. And this is exactly what happens here with Jesus, is that he gives them something more uh, to live for. He gives them something to focus their, their eyes on. And you think about all the things that these people were going through, these fishermen that were in Galilee, what they were going through. And that's why it's important for me to give you significant background about what's going on here. Because when you know the background about what they were going through, you see the challenge that Jesus comes with, the purpose that he's offering, the challenge that he's saying, and it's a challenge to us too that we would follow after Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that means loving the lost. It means loving one another. It means loving Jesus deeply. If you look uh, at the beginning here, it says, Jesus walked along, uh, was walking along beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. Uh, this was not the first time that he had met them. In fact, Jesus had ministered many uh, months before in this region. And so he had met them. They had seen what Jesus was doing. And actually, if you look at Mark's version of the story, it said, after John was put in the prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The word that's used in the Greek there for, for proclaiming means actually to make a very important announcement, like a kingly announcement. And that would have been really common if, if some of the rulers wanted to make an announcement to the people, they would send a representative to go and make an announcement. And that's exactly what happened here with Jesus. Jesus is coming to make an announcement, to proclaim the good news, to tell people that there is purpose in life, that, he can have, that you can have salvation in him, that you can go and fish for men and be able to do things with your lives that make a difference. And this was such an important thing in the region of, of, of Galilee because uh, when you're so far away from Jerusalem like they were and uh, there were people that weren't seen as really highly educated people, although many of them uh, were very shrewd businessmen, 
These were kind of seen as the, the hillbillies of the time. They were kind of seen as the, the people that, that really uh, didn't need a whole lot of uh, time to be invested in because they didn't really matter that much. They were this little fishing village that would provided the whole region and ma many areas beyond the region. I mean, the fish that was caught in the Sea of Galilee went as far as, as Egypt and Syria. You have to remember, at the time, the, the main protein of the time was fish. It wasn't, it wasn't meat, and so this was a vital uh, fishing village that had lots of business going through, lots of fish that was happening, and the people in the region were looking desperately for purpose. Because Herod the Great had died, and his son uh, Antipas had now taken over, and Antipas was not a good leader at all. He liked building up cities for his own glory, and he liked throwing lots of, of parties that were crazy. And so that's what he was known for, for throwing these, these parties that were lavish, but he was not a good ruler at all. And so here are the people kind of in suffering, not really understanding what their purpose is other than getting fish for the people, not having any type of spiritual purpose, and they're looking for something. And here comes Jesus preaching the good news, uh, announcing that they need to repent and put their faith in him. And they had already heard some stuff about Jesus, and now the challenge is coming for them to follow him, for them to go after something greater, for them to love the lost, for them to become fishers of men. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And of course, they would have had some idea what fishing was about, because all along the Sea of Galilee, which is really more like a lake, it's, it's, uh, it's 13 miles long and 8 miles wide, fresh water, lots of fish there. In fact, Josephus once wrote that uh, when he was uh, taking part in the War of Galilee, he was able to commandeer 230 fishing boats from Galilee because there was so much fishing that was happening there. So they understood the concept of fishing. But when he talked about fishing for men, this is the first of many questions that I'm sure that they had. Because what, what was Jesus talking about here? I mean, he was offering something that was beyond themselves. He was offering them purpose. And he does the same for us, too. He offers us uh, that purpose. He gives us the invitation to follow him. But it's really interesting uh, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, come, go to seminary for six years, go into a bunch of Bible studies, and then you'll be ready to follow me. He, he doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, get involved in a, in a program, get involved in all these things, and then you'll be ready to, to follow me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, follow me. And all those things that I mentioned, you know, being involved in a program, being involved in a Bible study, going to seminary, I, I went to seminary, those aren't bad things at all. But Jesus cuts right to the chase, and he says, follow me. And that really is what it comes down to in our lives, too, is that are we willing to follow Jesus? Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fill in the blank for you. Are you willing to take those steps and follow him? And let's just be real, following Jesus is a little scary. It is, because it's different than what the world says. And what Jesus is calling you specifically to do could be a little scary. It could be a little bit out of your, your comfort zone. But we know for each and every one of us, he's called us to take the step to make disciples that make disciples. 
Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat, and their father Zebedee was preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, they had had some interaction with Jesus before, so this wasn't a blind faith moment. They had seen Jesus' faithfulness. They had heard about his miracles, and they wanted to follow after him. How about you? Do, do, you, do you really want to follow him? Because following him means that there's going to be some challenges. Following him means that you're taking a step to be different from the world. Following him means you're going to count on him to equip you to do the things that he's called you to do. And all of those steps take faith. It's not blind faith because I've seen over and over and over Jesus show up in all of your lives in many different ways. I've seen God be so faithful even in the midst of great sorrow and great pain. I've seen God provide great joy, and you guys have experienced this if you're followers of Christ. So it's not, it's not a blind faith, but it is a step of faith. It is a step of obedience, and that's exactly what happened here. They were taking a step of obedience. They didn't know what was going to be around the corner. And frankly, Jesus didn't tell them all the details. I mean, Jesus would have known that there was going to be troubles around the corner. Jesus would have known that there, were, there was going to be things that they were going to have to face, but Jesus doesn't share all those things. He, doesn't also, he also doesn't share all the things that, that are great about following him. He doesn't go into detail about those things. It would have been listed here if he did. All he said was, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their nets. They left their boats. They left everything they had to follow him because they realized that, that outside of following him, they couldn't have purpose. They couldn't fulfill exactly what God has called them to do. And it's the same way for us. Is that we can have all of these distractions in the world and all these things that tell us, here's what's important. Here's how we're supposed to make a difference in the world. Here's how we're supposed to succeed. But if it's outside of following Jesus, it's always going to leave us empty. And so that's why there is significant risk following him. There is steps of faith following him. But not following him always leads to emptiness, always leads to despair. And I care about you guys greatly, and I want you to follow after Jesus. And listen, I'm a guy that has a heartbeat, okay? I'm, I'm a guy that's living in this world with you. I know following Jesus is tough. I know I'm supposed to be a professional Christian, right? I'm supposed to be a, a pastor that follows after Jesus with everything. And that's what I desire, but I know there are difficulties doing that too. Because there are things that come in your way. There are things that don't uh, help you follow him. There are things that will take away from your faith in Jesus if you let it. And that's why we have to follow him with everything we have. And we have to team up for all the things that God has called us to do. Because when we team up for the gospel, then we realize, oh, my giftedness and her giftedness and his giftedness and their giftedness together all comes together. That's why one of my favorite moments of the week is at 8.40. We're out in the lobby and we're praying for everyone that walks to the store, everyone that's serving that morning. Uh, and we come together and we pray and we lift Jesus' name up. And it's so cool to see all of the giftedness working together. And we see, wow, it makes a difference when we team up for the gospel. Each of us has a giftedness that we can, that we can use. Part of the problem is, is we live in a world that's tough to live in. And life can be tough. 
I know some of you are right now thinking, man, I'm just trying to have my marriage survive. I'm just trying to help my kids uh, follow Jesus and, and excel in school. I'm just trying to figure out a way to pay my bills. I'm just trying to figure out how to get along with my family and my, my neighbors. How am I ever supposed to think about loving the lost or, or making disciples? And that's why it's so vital that we follow him first. We need to have personal renewal in him. We need to be filled up with the power of the Spirit. We need to bring our hurts, our fears, our sorrows, our joys, and bring them to Jesus first. And then when, he, when, he, when we bring those things to Jesus and we get led to the gospel and we are empowered by the gospel and we realize that he meets us exactly where we're at, then we'll be driven to mission because we'll see that, yes, he is renewing me. Yes, he is helping me to, to get through these things. I can count on him. My faith is in him. And now I want to run towards the mission. And then when you're in the mission and you look around and you see, wow, this is actually a little scary trying to reach lost people. Well, I, I, I get criticized a little bit for this. Yeah, there's going to be some obstacles. When you start experiencing those things, then what do you think you do? What should you do? Run back to Jesus. You run back to Jesus to get more renewal and more strength. And it's this awesome cycle of counting on Jesus, being driven to the mission, and counting on him more. And that's why we have to team up to do that. We have to remind each other to do that. And that first step of running to Jesus is so vital. And listen, if you're a believer for this next few minutes, if you're a believer, you know this gospel that I'm about to share. And there's two choices you can make. You can listen to it and be like, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, it's, it's redundant. Or you could say, you know what, I'm going to listen with different ears. Because I'm going to be ready to go on the mission. I'm going to be ready to share the gospel when it comes. I'm not going to be a part of that 90%. I'm going to be part of the 10% that's going to share the gospel because Jesus has done so much in my life. And there are some of you here this morning that really need to listen to this. Because you're not believers in Christ. And so you need to know what the true gospel is. The true gospel is that there is bad news. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. The bad news is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we're in bad, big, big trouble. We've all messed up. We cannot go before a holy God without facing the consequences for all the ways that we've sinned. But the good news is that Jesus came as a seeking and saving Savior. That he put on flesh and dwelt among us. That he challenged people to follow after him. He lived a perfect life while he was doing those things. And he faced temptation just like we do. He put on flesh. He was human. He was fully God, but he was fully human. And he came on this earth and did exactly what we couldn't do. We couldn't live a perfectly obedient life, but he did. All the way to the cross all the way to, to death, all the way to raising from the dead, overcoming our sins, so that if we trust in him, if we believe in him, we can have eternal life. Our part is as simple as ABC, to admit that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. B, that we believe in Christ, that he lived a perfect life and died the death we deserve to die on the cross and rose bodily from the dead. And then C, to commit our life, to, our life to Christ and have reliance upon him that we will follow him wherever he leads us to be. 
So that's, that's it. That's the gospel. And it's, our faith is not simplistic, but the gospel is simple so we can easily follow after him. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, won't you do that today? You know deep down, I, mean, I live this, you know deep down that there's an emptiness that can only be fulfilled with something else. You tried lots of different ways. Let me tell you that when you try Christ, you won't, find, you won't go looking for another way because it's the best decision that you can make. He's the one that truly fulfills us. And if we have put our faith in Christ, we need to team up for the gospel. He works in community. You see what happens here when he's calling the disciples? He's calling them two by two. He's calling Simon and Peter and his brother Andrew. And then he's calling the two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. You think about Mary and Martha and Paul and Barnabas and so many of these people that God called in teamwork together. And so are you ready to team up for the gospel? I mean, this is vitally important that we team up for the sake of God's glory so that he gets glorified in our, in our community and many people come to know him. So what I want you to do is I want you to look on page 41 of our study. If you don't have a study, you can grab one that's around you. If there isn't one around you, ask someone in the row in front of you or in back of you to just go to page 41. And we give you these studies as a resource. Now, some of you I know are not in small group. But maybe you're connected to some other people in the church where you could think about doing some of these things in, in teamwork together. Or maybe this is the step that you say, hey, I really want to get involved. I want to do these things. I want to get, get involved, so I'm going to step into a small group. Many of you are in small groups, and I want you to think these things through. And so on page 41, it talks about different things that we can team up for the gospel, that we can go on a fishing trip together, that we can fish for men together. And it can be really enjoyable to do this. It can be really fun to do this. And a lot of you are unbelievably creative. And so to think of different ways that you can reach out to others. So what needs do we see around us that we could help, that we could help uh, meet? What are ways that we can serve? Just think of the natural ways that you're associated with all different kinds of things. Whether it be your kids' sporting events or something at school or something that's going on in your community. What are ways that you can serve where people say, hey, what? What's up with these people? Why are they doing this? And people start asking questions, and you can start sharing the gospel with them. Start thinking about what are the needs that we see around that we can help meet. I mean, we're getting into the Christmas season. There are always families that are in need. There are people that, that need help. What are some ways that you can gather together with others and very purposefully look for ways that, that you can serve others? If you need a place to do that, we talked about the thing that we're doing at the World Golf Village Hall of Fame. Get your small group together. There's going to be hundreds of people gathering around to try to see Santa. And while they're waiting for Santa, we can show them Jesus. And so there's lots of ways that, that we can serve in that way. How will we communicate the gospel on our fishing trip? Remember the gospel outline that I talked about this morning. There's also, we have booklets that go through the gospel. You can get those at the information stations too. That you can be very purposeful sharing the gospel uh, with others. How will everyone's spiritual gift be used on our fishing trip? I mean, this is a really cool thing when we gather together with other people. You see other people's giftedness. So make sure you include everyone. And say, what excites you? What are some things in life that excite you? What are some things that you feel gifted to do? And you can include the kids in that, obviously. Have them be a part of what's going on in, in the fishing trip, too. What's one next step we can take in planning our fishing trip? Listen, it's, it's a little scary to do that. 
It's a little scary thinking about all the schedules that are going on, all the different things that are happening, and how are we going to have time to do this? Listen, somewhere along the line in your life, if you're a believer, someone made an impact on you. Someone took the time to say, I care about that person. I care about their salvation. I care about their eternity. I care about their joy. I care about their peace. And because of that, I'm going to take a step to walk out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to invite them to a Bible study. I'm going to invite them to follow Jesus. And I know when you stop and think about it, all of you are so glad that you did. There are 200,000 people in our community, in our county, people that you're around all the time they really don't know where hope is and i know a lot of them seem really happy and they seem like why would they ever want to make a change listen before i follow christ on the outside i seemed really happy too but on the inside i was dying on the inside i had no hope i'm so glad that someone took the risk listen there are going to be obstacles along the way it is not going to be easy but when we turn and we follow Jesus, we really follow him, and we give it all to him, and we say, listen, this is scary, God, but I trust you because I've seen your track record. I trust you, and I'm going to allow you to work in my life. I trust you. Help me to take the step no matter how scary it is. When you do that, you become a part of the disciple-making adventure. And when you're on the adventure with God, there's no better place to be because he is faithful and he is good. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for calling me on the adventure with you. And following after you is scary. Following after you is difficult. But not following after you is completely empty. And so I pray, God, that maybe there are some people in this room this morning that have never taken the step of, of following you the first time, that they would put their faith in you. There may be some people here this morning that have been following you for a time in their life, but maybe for the last week, month, year, several years, they haven't really been following you. And so I pray that they would take those steps to run after you. I pray for people here this morning that are following after you and being a part of the adventure and understanding what it's like to follow you, that you would keep them going on the path that you have them to be. Lord, we want to be a church that lifts you up, that loves the lost, that loves one another, that loves you. Help us to do that. And as we're in small groups, as we're in different groups here at the church, and we're planning on ways to reach out, give us great creativity, give us great wisdom. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.